Welcome to Hey Therapist. I'm your host, Leslie Ross. With me is my producer, Jay Wesley Lindley. Let's get mental. Hi, welcome to Hey Therapist. My name is Leslie and I am your host. We're going to talk about mental health and all of the shit that affects our mental health. We're going to discuss everything from emotions, where they come from, how do they develop, how to manage them, relationships. We are going to talk about relationships, the one with yourself, the ones with your family, your friends, your coworkers, the one that maybe you shouldn't be in, or maybe you should. We're going to talk about trauma and addiction and sex and any other topic comes up. There's questions. If you have them, you can ask them on hey-therapist.com. Send those in and we'll address them on a podcast. So what we're seeing right now is a lot of anxiety. I think it's come from a lot of different things in the world. You know, we experienced a pandemic. So for most of us below the age of 80, like we've never experienced a pandemic before. And so we're going through that. And we have a a whole generation of kids who I'm not even sure what their what their title is at this point. I know we all have our titles, but I'm not sure what they're going to be called. But um, you know, they may be the pandemic generation. I don't know. But you know, they're they're coming into their own. They're in those ages where they're becoming little people, and it's hard. And with adults who are at home with uh, families and their children, and maybe their spouse that they didn't like that much, or maybe they really enjoyed being home with them. You know, going back to work and being back in the workplace has been a change. So there's a lot of anxiety. And, you know, we're recording this at the end of March and, you know, it's spring and spring is springing and people start losing their minds in spring because we have all of the changes. It's biological. It's in our genetics. It's how evolution goes. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of anxiety right now. A lot of change involved mm-hmm. in what you mentioned there. Yes. Um, anything to do with what you can change versus what you can't when it comes to anxiety? Is there a, a, or levels of? Sure. Absolutely. I think, you know, change comes with choice. There's a choice in everything. And sometimes we feel like, well, I don't have a choice in it. But you do. You can either do nothing or you can take action. You can make a difference here. Or you can just not. It may not be an easy choice. It may not be an easy And it may not be one you want to make. Like some choices are really hard. It's leaving behind family. It's leaving behind friends. It's, it's leaving those things that do not serve you in the future that you want to have. But sometimes that choice has to come. And so, you know, I, I always say to all my clients, especially my young ones, and even some of my older ones who haven't made great choices in their life, you know, everything is a choice when you think about it. You know, we say, well, I just get up and go to work. And it, well, that's a choice. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to wear what you're wearing. You don't have to live in the place you're living with. You're making a choice because maybe change is hard. And maybe it's easy to be in this stagnant life that you're living, even though you're not happy. So the choice is to remain unhappy. You can make a choice to try to better that. So, you know, I think with anxiety, it's important, one, to recognize I'm I'm living in whatever this anxiety is. And there's going to be some episodes we talk about about where this comes from. But the other is, you know, what is happening right now in this moment? Is this even real? Is this old shit? Is this something I need to deal with? 
Like, where am I right now in my life that I'm feeling anxious? It could be something that's not even relevant anymore. That's just, we're just carrying with us in that baggage. Ooh, baggage. Baggage. I've heard that term before. (laughs) We all carry it though, right? We do. We do. And I and I think, you know, I always say you get to bring your baggage, but it needs to be in a carry-on. You don't get a train car. You okay. don't get like the circus train oh, worth okay. of just capacity. Like you get a carry-on, maybe one checked luggage, but if you're checking luggage, you have to be working on it. You got to be unpacking it. So you can unpack your checked luggage. But it doesn't get to continue on with us. So if you have baggage, that's fine. That sounds like a whole session in itself. It is. It really is. Unpacking baggage. Like it is its own session. But it's true because we never truly move through what we had. Like we never like everything that's happened to us in our life is still with us. It's how you process it and how you identify with it. Because instead of this is me, it needs to be this is something that happened to me. It needs to be, this is something I've grown from, like I've learned from, and it may be shitty and you may still have some really bad coping behaviors from it, but you go, I know where it comes from, which is important. As long as you know where it comes from, we can work toward correcting it. Those that may not know who you are and your credentials, tell us why you are qualified to bring us Hey Therapist, the podcast. I'm not qualified for anything. Ah. No. <laughs> No, I am almost 10 years in into a counseling career as an LPC, a licensed professional counselor. Now I will add my addendum. This is for entertainment purposes only because I don't want to lose my license because someone took advice the wrong way. Early in my career, I started specializing in trauma and trauma-focused therapy. And the reason that I specialized in trauma and trauma-focused therapy is I am very, let's get it done. Uh, type of therapist. Like I think some people need therapy for their life. Like they need that outlet. They need someone to talk to. I am not the one. Let's get in, get on, get on with your life. Right. So that's why I think trauma focused therapy really appealed to me. And it's not because I get to hear horrific stories from people. It's because I know I can help them. And so with trauma therapy, you know, you, you take whatever someone went through And, you know, trauma, again, and we'll talk about this in in other episodes, just little teasers here. It's it's relative to the person, right? It's perspective. So what one person may find traumatic, the other won't because it's all perspective. But, you know, with trauma-focused therapy, I worked with a lot of first responders, um, other mental health professionals, law enforcement, military, um, PTSD, natural disaster survivors, all of that stuff. And... I got to see change. And so that's what really has pushed me in the direction that I've gone in my style of therapy. I'm not for everyone. Therapists are like shoes. There's thousands of us out there. You do, we don't all fit. If your first therapist doesn't fit, keep trying them on. Because if you're, if you're seeking one, that means you need one. Keep going until you find one. Um, so I'm not for everyone. But, you know, it's It's a let's get in and let's work on it. Let's get into the trenches. Let's get into the heavy shit and let's get rid of it because you don't have to carry it with you. And I think that's the importance in any therapy if you're in it is you don't have to carry it with you. So I've spent most of my career working in in trauma therapy and helping people move through some of the most visceral type things and terrible, terrible situations in their lives to live a productive life and it becoming this being, again, 
this is something that happened to me. It's not who I am because it doesn't define you. It's not your trauma. Your past is not who you are unless you choose to continue to live in it. Ooh. Um, now, of course, this this uh, does <laughs> this has nothing to do with me, so I won't give you any of my uh, opinions on that. But I love that you are a professional and you back up the, my thoughts on a lot of that. So sure, I mean, and I think we all think that way, right? Like we've all had friends, we've all had relationships, we all have those people that are like, "Mother, come on, just move through it, like do the work and yeah. get rid of it." They, self, I mean, not maybe I wouldn't not even as much self pity, but they just wallow in that for a lot longer than what I feel like, or you know, other may you know we may feel like they should. Sure, and it's and I think it's because you know a lot. Of people stay in that because they don't know that there can be anything different. Maybe they were raised that way. Maybe this is generational trauma. Maybe this is the way that it's always been that they've never seen anyone in their family, friends, loved ones do anything different. And so they don't know that there's a choice. They don't know that there's a chance for them, but there is. And it's it's doing the work. And the work is hard. It sucks. You know, I tell people when they come and sit down for therapy, especially in trauma, is this is going to be really sucky and then it will suck less. And then it'll be okay. Like, it's not a fun time. Like, it's, you know, therapy is weird. You're going in and telling a stranger your most deepest, darkest secrets and all of the things that bring you guilt, shame. And like, it's it's hard. But when you can open up and do that, you can move through it and you don't have to live in it. And that's the benefit of it. Well, I mean, you work out. Do you stretch? There's some pain involved if you want to get any results. Right. And mental health is a physical health. It It is the same. Like you have to do the work, you know, and, and a lot of people still have that that stigma or that belief that mental health is just meh. It's not real. It's this, it's that. No, it's just as prominent as physical health things. And it creates just as many issues. If you have a heart disease and you still eat, terribly and you're eating terrible foods and you're not working out, you're not even getting up and walking, you're just sitting in your chair all day, you're going to have further conditions. If you have a mental health condition, depression, anxiety, PTSD, all of these create physical conditions. If you don't take care of this, you're going to have these other things and it becomes a chicken or the egg situation. We don't know what came first, the trauma or the heart disease, the trauma or the autoimmune disease. We don't know if it's the mental health condition causing these or these conditions causing the mental health issue. But either way, you got to work on it to be healthy. Start fixing one and see if the other follows suit. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And one will make you feel better. So if you work on your mental health, you're going to want to work more on your physical. If you work more on your physical, you're going to be like, man, I'm feeling, I still feel really down. Maybe I should do something about this mental. So either way, just start. Just start working on it. Make that choice. Make that change. Make that choice. Make that change. Is that that something you've made up or have you heard that? I I've said it for a long time. I don't know if I heard it from someone else, but I've said it for a long time. (laughs) It's really hard to claim originality these days, isn't it? It really is. It really is. All right. When it comes to trauma, is there a trick or a formula to letting go? Because you mentioned needing to let go. There's a uh, a season for everything. So sure. I, I'm sure you do have to go through the mourning and all of that. There's, sure. Is there a, a method of letting go 
for those that have trauma? Or is that something that you need to talk to your therapist about? <laughs> you know, there is a method to the madness. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, each therapist is different. And, and a lot of people, you know, there are certain modalities that have certain structure. Um, and they're going to follow those structures. There's sometimes you can jump from that and be a mixed, like I'm very much a mixed person with, as far as modalities, like I just confabulate everything that I want to just throw into the, the mixing pot and be like, this works. And then I'm going to go here and then we're going to go here and then we're going to go over here and hit that hardship. But, (laughs) you know, um, I think it's, you have to be ready and sometimes, you know, you're ready, but your heart doesn't feel ready. You have to just go with what you know, because feelings are liars. We're going to, we're going to work through some of those things. And, you know, we have uh, one of the topics we're going to hit on this podcast is emotions are dumb because they are, they're so dumb. They're not real. And sometimes they're real and sometimes they're not. And we got to figure that out. So, you know, we have to, when we are super emotional, we are not rational. And when you're rational, you're not very emotional. And so if you're feeling this heightened state of emotions and making decisions in that, then that's probably not exactly the right time unless you're in like joy and not mania, but joy. Like there's a, there's a fine line. There's a fine line. You know, I think it's, it's knowing this is something that happened, you know, cause whatever your trauma is, is, is your trauma. You know, it can be you know, like I said, I've dealt with a lot of first responders and they've seen, smelled, touched some terrible things, but it could also just be the death of your pet that created enough trauma. Like it's, it's all relative. So it's, it's knowing this happened. And since then, this behavior has been affecting me, or I've noticed this about myself and it's changed how I interact with people and how I enjoy things. That's when you know it's time, like it's time to to reach out and it's time to start working on those things is when it starts affecting your day to day. And so I think, you know, you you talk to your therapist and say, hey, I've really noticed this. I've I've noticed this change in my behavior. And when I sat down and thought about it, it really did start about this time. And the time it started may not be the moment or the incident that created the issue because we carry a lot of things. We think about them the same. But it, this is the time it started. It's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back emotionally. No, absolutely. Not to change the subject. How much about yourself are you going to release on this podcast? Um, is this an, a no holds bar? You can know anything about Leslie Ross there is to know? Or are you just the therapist that's just going to give you the shit as you need to hear it? I think or it's both. gonna I think it's gonna be both. Okay, awesome. I I really have no I mean, I've made some terrible mistakes in my life. Terrible. I make poor choices I have in my past. I I have no problem sharing that. And I think this is gonna give that difference in because in a clinical session, like I share only as much as I need to. As a therapist, you don't you don't want a trauma bond. You're not trying to you know, have that relationship. But I've shared things personally to kind of build rapport and get people to understand, listen, I I truly get where you're coming from. This, you know, this is something I've experienced or I haven't experienced that, but a family member has, a friend has, whatever. So I have a good idea about it. 
I'm all in. Like, I don't care. I have no shame. I've made terrible decisions. I have made poor choices. I've done things I knew I shouldn't have. I've done things I knew I should have. So I am, I'm an open book. Okay, so since, since she's an open book, folks, and she <laughs> mentioned already Uh-oh. that you can write in all the questions you have, what is your biggest mistake to date? Oh Lord! You're gonna go, hey, we're going in. <laughs> we're going in, girlfriend. You know, I think hmm. biggest mistake to date. And My, I, you learn from mistakes. You're sure. A smart, you're a smart individual. I grow and learn. Yeah. I I think I I stayed in an abusive relationship way longer than I should have, knowing what I knew. Because as a therapist and working as a therapist, while this relationship was happening, I knew what was happening. It was hard to believe it was happening to me. And so, you know, I can identify with that. I can I can identify with that, you know, abusive relationship side and being in terrible and we'll have a whole episode. Oof, Lord, have mercy. We'll have a whole episode about that. It's staying in that relationship when I knew it was not ever going to get better. I stayed because I was still hopeful. I stayed because I was stuck. I stayed because I didn't think I had any options. And so, you know, it's being able to identify with that and recognizing that and hopefully being able to help someone out of that and being able to help them go, you know what? No, like this is, this isn't where I need to be. This isn't safe. It's only going to get worse. Nothing's going to change. You know, apologies without change is manipulation. It's identifying that and keeping it going and just saying, I don't want to live this way and making the choice to make the change. I have lived abusive relationships. I've lived alcohol issues. I've lived addiction problems. You know, with that, I've lived a lot of things that I can truly identify with a lot of my clients. And most of my clientele never knew that because it wasn't brought up because that's not my job. They don't need to know that part about me. They just need to know I can help them. I mean, there's a lot of things that many of my long-term clients probably don't know about me. Unless they listen that they to may podcast. learn. <laughs> I love it. First responders, mm-hmm. I, I think you have a. They're near and dear to your heart. Absolutely. So uh, I'm sure, and you mentioned PTSD. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we are going to delve into some of that. Yes. If I was guessing, in in some episodes, for sure. Um, anything on uh, PTSD specifically with first responders? I have a friend lined up who I think will be a guest on the podcast, which will be great. Um, he's still on the fence, but I think I can talk. I told him he didn't even have to use his name. Okay. Like, just talk about it. He's we still could, very active law enforcement. We could even edit his voice if need be. There you go. Oh, he would He would probably love that. Like <laughs> real, real low or real high pitch, whatever he prefers. <laughs> we can pitch him up. <laughs> With PTSD, and I will say you don't have to be a first responder for that. You know, PTSD affects everyone. Um, I was diagnosed with PTSD. If this is affecting you, if you had an event in your life and then you notice things and anyone can Google DSM-5, it's our diagnostic manual, what it looks like. You know, even small children can have PTSD. And so working in the schools, you know, I, I had some kiddos who family were like, it's ADHD. ADHD is very real. Not like that. It's one of my soapbox issues. It is very real. However, for a lot of our children, it's overdiagnosed because the behaviors look the same as PTSD. So luckily, you know, one of my kiddos that I worked with for a long time, 
his he was, you know, in grandparent custody because mom and dad were not around because of incarceration, like had a terrible life. They were involved enough to say, hold on, let me let him talk to somebody first. And what we found out is not ADHD. It was PTSD. He was physically safe in the classroom. He wasn't psychologically safe. So he didn't feel safe in the front of the room. He didn't feel safe with people behind him. He didn't feel safe with the chatter. And so, you know, PTSD can affect just about anyone. It's an event in your life that has caused enough distress to create behavioral issues or emotional issues. With our first responders, a lot of them don't even recognize it can take up to seven years for someone to have a a PTSD response. So for a lot of our first responders, our military, they don't even notice it until they're retired because at the retirement time, their brain can stop. They don't have to be on duty. They don't have to be aware. They don't have to just check everything back, the deaths, the smells, the horror that they see out there either on the streets or in the battlefield. It doesn't have to be stored in a little lockbox somewhere. Eventually your brain starts going, hey, your junk drawer is full. Deal with this shit. And it starts throwing it at you. And so, you know, it can take years for it to develop or it can be weeks or it can be hours or it can be days. So it can be a really tricky thing. But what's important is to recognize it and to get that support and help when you need it. And there are, you know, for me, that was one of my specialties for other there are therapists out there who that is their specialty. You know, I know there's a a gentleman that I worked with. He was one of my mentors. He's amazing. I don't know that he takes clients anymore. So I don't want to say his name out there. He was law enforcement and became a therapist later. So he could work better with that population. You you talked about emotions uh-huh. and how they are dumb. Yes. And that's going to be your first episode. Yes. Uh, so tell us, give us a brief, maybe 120 seconds about why emotions are dumb. Okay. So emotions are dumb because feelings aren't facts. Feelings are what we feel in that moment, but we don't, sometimes we don't know where that feeling came from. Right. Because we learn a lot of things when we're little, like you learn how to interact with the world when you're a little kid. And, you know, one of the things I tell most of my clients that I've ever had for any reason um, is, you know, when you get in that heightened emotional state, because, again, we're not rational when we're emotional. Do you feel like you or do you feel like a little kid? Because a lot of people will say, I I got rage and I wanted to break things and I threw things and I felt like a little kid when I did it. And it's like, okay, cool. So when in your childhood did you feel that way? Because when we learn an emotional response, it attaches in our body. We have a feeling about it. We have a thought about it. And it just settles in. And we move through life. And those things happen again. And we have that same emotion And our brain goes, oh, I know what this is. And we're back here as a little kid because that's what we learned, right? Because that's how our brains evolved. We adapt and grow and our brain learns from what we know. And, you know, there's this image that and this theory and statement, oh, kids are resilient. They're really fucking not like they don't know what they're doing and they're learning from the people around them. So if you have anxious parents, you grow up to be an anxious kid. If you have dysfunction in the home, that is your normal. If you have domestic violence or abusive parents or an alcoholic or something that's going on in your house, that is your normal. Like there's a lot of people that I've dealt with in my life and and clients and friends and families where, you know, they had this completely dysfunctional home. 
And they go and stay at a friend's house for the first time. And they're like, wait, what? What is happening here? Like, why are both, why are your parents in the same room? Why is dad not drunk? Like, wait, you can go up and ask your parents these things because I can't. And they're not screaming at you. And they're not screaming yeah. at you. Like, you don't have to go hide. Like, someone raised their voice. We don't need to go hide. I don't need to go get in my closet. We learn all of that and our body adapts to that. When we have those emotional states, is it real? Is it in this moment? Are you feeling what you think you're feeling or are you feeling something old? It can be a really... It's just emotions are kind of liars sometimes. We have to be real, real aware and mindful and present. And that's something that you have to do the inner work to of where does this come from? What is happening? Why is it happening? And is it real? So that's why I always tell people emotions are dumb because they're not usually factual. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes we feel in love and we can be appreciative and grateful. And that's really, really real. But if you're afraid to get on a plane because it's a it's a tight space, like what? Where did that come from? Like why? Like, yes, terrible things happen in the world. But yeah, how often? I recently felt the feeling of anxiety or um, some anxiousness, Mm -hmm. um, claustrophobia for the first time ever in my life. Okay, Mm -hmm. my son. Jackson mm-hmm. was driving the pickup. <laughs> they let me in the back door. Ooh. In okay, you know the white pickup. I do. Suicide doors on the You're back. You're not a small guy. Okay, they let me back door. I'm sitting there, and it wasn't until the door was shut, mm-hmm. the two front doors, that I realized I can't just open my door and get out. Right. And then my youngest son's driving the vehicle. <laughs> Who's he's not a bad driver, sure, but he's. The, it's not you. He, he hasn't. He's, he's it's your kid. not me, and he hasn't. He's he's been driving the least amount of among my people. Right. You know what I mean? So I instantly got this overwhelming feeling of I'm going. He's going to wreck. We're mm-hmm. going to be on our top, and I will not be able to get out of right? this because again, they're going to be knocked out or whatever, and I just can't get out. Sure. And it was a feeling that I have never felt before in my life. Uh-huh. It was kind of like feeling uh, like when you almost fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. oh, I would have died. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That feeling. Right. Okay, so it was that feeling like continuous. Sure. And uh, I'm looking around like, okay, you're going to have to stop the car. And I almost made him stop the car. And I, I, what it took me to realize that I could make it to the end, of, to just from the radio station to the house, was <laughs> I could put my my elbow through this window and escape out the back. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I had to right. to convince myself that uh, – So so – Prior to that moment, I would have said not great things about someone who was experiencing <laughs> anxiety. Your wife? <coughs> and uh, claustrophobia. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, though? I yes. mean, uh, uh, if sure. you have never experienced right. claustrophobia, then you just don't get it. Right. And I think that was claustrophobia. Uh huh. You, you don't have to have been always had this. Right. This can come on later on, even later in years, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm 60 years old listening to you right now because mm-hmm. you it, it sounds like maybe a 20-year-old's listening. You know what I sure. mean? So if I'm 60s listening, I could still benefit in the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we don't experience things the same way at each age. Anxiety by nature. And, and anxiety is one of those things. It is a original equipment. Like we are OEM with anxiety. Like you're stuck with it because some anxiety is good. 
Like we need anxiety to function. Anxiety is your spidey senses. It is your gut reaction. It is those things that tell you danger, Will Robinson, run away, like danger, danger, danger. But it can get offset. What I would say is, what did it mean to you? And it would mean I'm out of control. I'm not in control. You know, a lot of times claustrophobia comes from I'm not in control. And that happens, you know, and it, it does get worse as we get older. And it get, anxiety is one of those that gets worse when we get older because the world is not a safe place. I mean, in reality, terrible things happen every day and they can. And it's not specific. You know, it, we can go with the why, you know, if someone has cancer, you can say, why you? Why you? Why not me? Yeah. Like it's it, the world is not a safe place. The world is is kind of a dangerous place. But if you live in that, gosh, that's exhausting. But if you go, okay, realistically, yeah, I could, you know, I'm kind of stuck back here. But yeah, okay, I have a, I have a way out. I can get out of here. It's, it's fine. And I'm going seven minutes like right. in the car for seven minutes. So I think it does get worse. And it's, there's no age limit to mental health disorders. Like it can come on at any age, you know, you can have late onset psychosis. It's why you see it in the military, in you know, basic academy for law enforcement in college for some people, they get in this new environment and they cannot handle it and they have a mental break. It can be late onset or you have someone who, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, so don't quote me, but it's like somewhere in the range of like 75 to 80% of all mental health disorders are genetic. And so you may carry the trait, but never have the experiences. But if you have a mental health crisis, if something tragic happens to you, you could have schizophrenia onset in your 40s because something tragic and your brain went, nope, can't handle it. We're going to default. There's a lot of things that can happen much later in life that you never expect. And also, we don't have to live that way. You don't have to just stick with it and go, well, this is my life now. I can't leave my house. Like We don't, we don't want to live that life. So I read an article that mentioned the cannabis usage Mm -hmm. today um, has opened up tons of mental health Mm -hmm. issues that were kind of hidden previously. Yes. You agree with that as a professional, even though this is entertainment purposes only? I do. I do. And I am not against any usage. Well, don't use meth, heroin, cocaine. Stay away from those. Those are bad. To each his own. Uh, To each his own. But I'm just saying, as far as psychosis, you're just pushing it. I'm not against marijuana usage. Overall, if you have certain predispositions, if you are a more anxious person, if you are a more depressed person, you should be real mindful about what you're ingesting. Because the THC levels now are like 10 times the THC levels even 10 years ago, maybe 15, 20. But, you know, we've got these super high levels of THC and this CBD, which is actually where you get your medical benefits, Uh-oh. is minimal. Gotcha. And so if you have that balance, if you're looking for, you know, if your percentages are close and you have a lower THC level, and I'm talking like 8 to 9%, which is reasonable, that's that's going to probably help you. But if you are a person who's predisposed or even not, but you're smoking a lot, it can increase your anxiety. It can increase your depression. It can increase your psychosis if you have psychosis in your system. And you may not know you have psychosis until you start smoking some high THC level weed. And then you're like, shit, 
what is happening? And your family's like, they're talking to themselves and they're seeing things like it's okay. When's the last time you smoked? Stop it. Um, or stop doing it so much. So, you know, it's, it's moderation for everything, but maybe lay off the dabs and just do some one hitters, right? Some one hitters, you know, at night in the morning, all day long, you need to manage your levels. Because you're you're increasing this tolerance, you're increasing what's in your brain, you're changing your brain chemistry. Anything you put in your body, be it sodas right. or weed or meth, you're changing your body, you're changing what your brain depends on. Tobacco, you're changing what your brain depends on. And when you stop that, your brain is going to kind of short circuit. It's why, you know, most medications you're not supposed to just stop taking. Your brain is not set up for that. And, you know, there's there's better ways to do that. But again, I'm not against, you know, marijuana usage. I'm, you know, prescriptions are there for a reason. They're made for very specific reasons. And if you need them, you take them. You know, if you had a heart disease or high blood pressure or anything else and your doctor said, take this pill, you would take it because you don't want to die. Right. But when it comes to mental health medications, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't need that. That's for crazy people. Well, no, it's because your brain developed a certain way and now you have a disorder just like your heart developed a certain way and now you have a disorder. Like it's just an illness that you need medication for and it's fine. Like, again, nobody has to know. You don't tell people, well, most people don't tell people. Some people tell people everything on, but Facebook. Mo- <laughs> on Facebook, but most people don't tell people everything. They don't know that you're on cholesterols and statins and all these other things. Right. Like they don't need to know that you take Zoloft every day because it balances you and it keeps you in a good place. Your business is your business. Parents and kids, mm. they cause issues. And I'm speaking of like you as the person, so your parents and or your kids, both sets, different sets of issues. Sure. For the mental health. A thousand percent. You know, again, things are genetic. I will caveat with some people are just terrible people and they're terrible parents and they should have ever had kids and or kept those children. Like adoption is real. Like if you are not out there ready to be a parent, there's somebody that is. Let them be the parent for that child needs. But then again, there's a lot of parents out there that think they're going to be a good parent because they made excuses or whatever they did for their parents. And we have generational trauma. We have kids who don't know any better. I always, when I do like in services or anything for teachers or instructors, it's the kid is not late because the kid is late. The kid is late because their parents are making them late. Like that kid is not driving themselves to school. I guarantee that kid is standing there going, please, let's go. You're making me late. I'm going to be in trouble. But then the kid gets in trouble. That kid falling asleep in class probably didn't get any sleep. And it may be because they're a little shitty kid that stays up all night and plays games and their parents can't do anything because some parents really try. But it may be because mom and dad are fighting all night or they had to take care of their siblings because parents are missing They may be stealing other people's food because they don't have any food at the house. Ask the questions, find out. Some kids are harder than others. Some kids, you know, may have some some disabilities, some mental health issues, some other things that the parent didn't. It may be in the family line, but they didn't experience it. But these kids are struggling. And so the parent is having a hard time being a parent, you know, and they may be trying. They may be saying, I'm trying, you know, is the kid that's acting out. If that kid is screaming in Walmart Sure. You may look at them and be like, just discipline your kid, but they may be, they may be at their wits end. Like this is just their kid. They're going to scream with their pterodactyl scream all through Walmart and they could whoop them. They could time out them. They could do all the things and they're at their wits end. And so they just let them scream. 
because they don't want to beat their kid. So what's better? You know, so I think it's, you know. Yeah, you can't do that in Walmart, I don't think. No, you you can't anymore. You know, I think there was a time and frame you could. There was a time that other people would help you do it. But now you can't do that. And so, you know, a lot of people just get at their wits end. And I worked with a lot of kids in my career. And I don't really work with kids anymore because a lot of the parents just want you to fix their kid when the parents are the ones that need the conversation. Yeah. I will do all I can for your kid, but you actually have to discipline them. You have to have structure. You have to have consistency. They need punishment. They need repercussions. You need to have that communication. And I'm all for positive punishment. And you can even give your kids choices. Like even little kids, you can give them a choice. You can watch this TV longer or you're going to have it taken away tomorrow. Like you can give them a choice. There's different ways of parenting. So it sounds like there will be a children and a parents episode. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. it. We're going to hit all the things. We've been all over the place. All over the place. (laughs) But I I think that kind of gives you a little example of the things you'll be talking about. I use a term, you didn't church it up. You give it to them straight. I love that about you. For those that care, you're my sister-in-law. Right. I'm married to your sister. You're stuck with me. I'm stuck with her (laughs) uh, by contract, as my wife puts it. You mentioned kids aren't resilient. They can Mm -hmm. just suppress it better than adults, Mm -hmm. ultimately. Right. And they're making up a story. Like, they're creating a story. They have an answer to it, which is why they just move through things. You know, for example, when we're talking about that, you know, I had a a kiddo who, and this is why you have to be mindful about kids, because they're not that resilient. They're sponges. And so, you know, you have a death in the family. Let's say you have a death in the family. And... One of my kiddos that I had to work a long time with, actually, and it was just so sweet. I laugh about it now, but I felt so sad for this poor little kiddo because they said, no, grandma went to sleep and she didn't wake up, but she's always watching over you. So now we have a kiddo who is terrified to go to sleep. Would not. They're like, she won't go to sleep. Well, no shit. Like she's terrified about dying and grandma's in there watching her. This is terrifying. Like there's certain things like, yes, you have to be age appropriate when we talk about things, but you don't talk about violent deaths. You know, I've, I've had those kids where think terrible things happen or they witness terrible things. And people glaze over it or they never let the kid express themselves or ask questions and they just make up their own story in their mind. And you're like, wow, that didn't actually happen. Like, let's talk about this. And now they're, you know, older or teenagers or adults and they have this complete memory that is a core memory for them that's not real because no one let them talk about it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Hey Therapist. And I just appreciate everyone for listening. All of our socials are on the website. You can check it out. Link, subscribe, join, follow all the buzzwords that are out there. For my producer, Jay Lindley, I'm Leslie Ross. Thank you all for joining us. Please send any questions or comments through the website, heytherapist.com or email help at heytherapist.com. They may be featured on the show anonymously. Hey Therapist is an SEOK radio production and is for your entertainment purposes only. Thank you for joining us. Make good choices. (laughs) 